4 through 4-6. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord, rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you may have the right response for everyone. How many of you remember the speaker at our Better Dads conference, Mark Clements? How many of you? Come on, raise your hands high. I met Mark when he was eight years old. I was a missionary on the way to Africa and doing deputation to raise the support to be able to do that work. And Mark's dad, Larry Clements, that's when I first met Larry, um, in the spring of 1984. Paul, I don't want to know how old you were in the spring of 1984. And don't anybody say, I wasn't even born, Samantha, in 1984. I don't need to hear that. I'm old enough already. But I stayed in the home with them for, I think it was two weeks. And when I left there, I told Brenda when I got back to Florida, Jesus lives in that house. Jesus lives at that house. You see, we're talking from the book of Colossians. We're talking about Jesus, the one and only Jesus is enough. But understand, Jesus is life-changing. Now, who you believe Jesus to be will determine your future eternally. Do not make the mistake of believing Him to be a good person, a prophet, a historical figure. 
If he is not the only begotten Son of God and Lord and Savior of your life, you're going to miss heaven and spend an eternity separated from God. And the theme of the book of Colossians is that Jesus is the one, Jesus is the only, and he is enough. You are complete in Him. You do not have to earn your way to heaven. You simply have to believe and trust in Him. But if you do that, Jesus will change your life. Knowing Jesus makes a difference in your life. I talked about that in, to some extent last week. But I need to make it clear, just as Paul did to the church at Colossae, that you have a choice of whether or not Jesus rules in your relationship. I'm just curious, how many perfect wives do we have out there? Raise your hand if you are a perfect wife. That was, that was cute, Stephanie. She had, she's advertising, hey, I'll be a perfect wife. Good luck with that. Now some of you are married to perfect wives, right? You know it's hard living with a perfect person because they're never wrong. How many perfect husbands do we have out there? Nobody's volunteering. Well, Corey sort of did one of these, but that's, a, that's tough to measure up to. The thing is, none of us, Larry, are perfect. But Jesus makes a difference in our lives. He is transformative. He wants to transform your life, and clearly He wants to transform your life in your relationships. He says... And Paul says, by revelation of God, Colossians chapter number 3, verse 18, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Now those who do not belong to the Lord will with pride say, Me? Submit to Him? Uh, I'm sorry, this is not in my notes, but put up with it anyway, okay? Um, it's, it's like the wedding the preacher told about. He was asking, saying all the, all the right things at the right time, and he asked the bride, do you promise to obey? You know, and all those other words. And she looked at the preacher and said, do you think I'm crazy? The groom was so confused, he didn't know what was going on, and he said, I do. <laughs> That's when the fight broke out. Wives submit. That is not politically correct, but it is biblically true. Understand, the wife is to submit to her husband. That does not mean that he is better than she is. 
The word submission comes from the military vocabulary and simply means to arrange under rank or authority. The fact that one soldier is a private and another is a colonel does not mean that the one man is better than the other. They have simply been given the authority over a number of men. The, th the same thing is true in the home. The biblical order of the home is that the husband is given authority. And guys, just in case you think that's wonderful, understand with authority comes responsibility. You will answer to God for how you lead your family and how you use that authority. Do not abuse it because you will answer to God for it. We live in a day of weak men. I thought I'd see nodded heads. I didn't hear any amens. We... If you're, if you're not sitting with wife, you're, your wife, you're allowed to say amen, right? So. We live in a day of weak men. And women want a strong man. They want, I hear it again and again, they want the husband to take the leadership in the home. It's not that they want to lead. They often fill a vacuum because the husband is not leading. Wives, give your husband the opportunity to lead, and husbands, take the authority, but love your wives. That means you are not to be harsh with them. You are to love them. It's not a bad thing, Todd, every once in a while to say to our wives, do you feel loved? Do I make you feel loved? And by the way, wives, can I say to you, you need to be sure that you acknowledge what your husband does for you. Even if it's things he's supposed to do. One, part of the research by Shanti Felden into marriages that last, marriages that have meaning, is that the husband needs for the wife to acknowledge what he's doing, even if that is his job. Oh, he took out the trash. Well, so what? That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. No, acknowledge. Thank you for taking out the trash. He mowed the, the yard. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. Brenda told me last week, she's not here. I can get away with this, okay? She's, she's at the desk. I know she's listening. I'll hear about it later. She told Miguel she would be glad. I bought a lawnmower, riding mower, that she could, it's got a steering wheel. It's a zero turn, but it's got a steering wheel so that she can mow. You know how much she's mowed? Yeah. You know why? Because she can't mow in a straight line and I can't stand it. <laughs> Corey, I can't stand my yard looking like this. I want straight lines. Even straight lines, not that I'm OCD or anything. But your wife needs, uh, the husband, ladies, your husband needs you to acknowledge the things that he does. And you know, the trick to this is right actions, Shelley, result in right emotions. 
And if you will begin to acknowledge the things that He's doing for you, you will begin to feel loved. That's the danger, to feel loved. The back door opened and I'm wondering, is she, is she going to walk in? <laughs> that plan of wives submitting and husbands loving is designed by the Creator of the universe. He who invented marriage as the basic underlying underpinning of our culture and of civilization and spirituality designed it that way. And men and women who have departed from this grand design of God have found only emptiness and sorrow. Let Christ rule in your marriage. He wants you to have a happy marriage. So do it His way. He's told you how to do that. Do it His way. Then He, go, he moves from marriage and family relationships. He moves to children. Children, obey. Uh, Brenda and I have a story of Ashlyn, our first grandchild when she was little and our second grandchild came along and Brenda was talking with our daughter Shelly on the phone and Shelly kept saying, Ashlyn, Get off of him. Ashlyn, leave him alone. And finally, Brenda cracked up when Shelley said, Ashlyn, quit sitting on his head. <laughs> and Brenda, over the phone, heard this little voice say, Obey. She had already heard that. Obey. Listen, kids, your life depends on it. Now, I'm not talking to Bill Cosby, bragging this, you know, the statement Bill Cosby made, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. The Bible says, children obey your parents, that you may live long on the earth. I heard one preacher say, he does not expect to live to be old, because he was a disobedient child. That's sobering. Children, obey your parents. And parents, it's okay to say to them, it may not be politically correct. I don't care. It's biblical. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter whether you're politically correct or not if you are biblical in your parenting. And it's okay to say to your kids, obey. And they say, why? Because I am the parent and you are the child. If you're explaining all of your actions to your child, they are in charge and you are not. And if you raise a rebellious child, that child will become a rebellious adult and cause you untold sorrow. The biblical pattern. Children, obey your parents. But parents, don't be harsh. Don't be mean. Don't aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Now, I could, this is not a parenting conference or I could spend a while on parenting. Just love your children. Love them enough to discipline them but don't be harsh and do not be unre unreasonable. 
in our marriages, in our parenting, we should be attractional. We should be attracting people to Christ. If you claim to be a Christian and your marriage is a shambles, get help. I know that somebody was told this week that Todd and I both do counseling. I'm a trained Christian counselor. And I will be glad to help you in your relationships if you are willing to ask for help. Todd has done Christian counseling, premarital counseling, marriage counseling, parenting counseling. Get help! But put Christ first in your home. If Christ is in your heart, He'll make a difference in your life. Then... Crown Christ, Lord of your relationships, in work relationships. And he says about workers, employees obey in everything. Now, yes, I know, every translation says slaves. Understand that slavery has existed throughout the course of human events. When we talk about slavery, we think about recent centuries where there was a racist practice of plantation owners, of whites owning blacks. But throughout the history of slavery that goes all the way back to the earliest ages of the human race had nothing to do with race at all. In fact, the term slave comes from Slavs because Europeans enslaved other Europeans. Whites enslaved whites. In Asia, Asian enslaved Asians. In Africa, Africa in Africans enslaved Africans. Slavery was a part of history and human relationships. I grew up in a church that was started in 1835, that is, before the Civil War. We had an opportunity to look back at the minutes of that church in those days, and we were shocked to find that slave owners and slaves attended services together and were both members of Zion Missionary Baptist Church. And it was recorded in those minutes that a slave owner was excluded from the church because he mistreated his slaves. Am I defending racist slavery? I am not. But we need to understand that slavery is not a recent invention and was not a racist invention. So what is the more modern terminology? By the way, in Colossae, it's estimated that there were 60,000 slaves when Paul wrote this. But in our day, we're talking about employees. I, I don't remember who was around the other day. We were cutting up. and we, we don't, I don't want to give the wrong impression that we have fun all the time. But There is laughter in our hall. And somebody was talking about a job, and I started singing 16 tons. Anybody know that old, old song? I voted 16 tons. And what did I get? Another day older 
and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me? Because I can't come. I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You ever feel like you were a slave to your employer? Boy, it was silent in the room. The rules are the same. Obey your earth your earthly masters, bosses, in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're looking. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Why should I serve Him? Because I fear Jesus. I fear God. My faith makes a difference in who I am and what I do. Christians ought to be the best employees, not the worst. You should give a decent day's work and get a decent day's wage commensurate with the work you do and for the qualifications that you have. Obey in everything. Work willingly as if for the Lord. That's what it says. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Well, I don't like my job. I always wanted to be an artist. I always wanted to be. Teenagers, I've said to you before, for goodness sake, when you go to college or go to trade school, major in something that will pay the bills and buy groceries. A dreamer ends up hungry. So how do I like what I'm doing when I don't like what I'm doing? Understand that you're doing it for the Lord and do it in a way that will please Him and glorify Him. I, it's been a while since I said this, and Don's not sitting over there, so maybe they're on line. But you can fill teeth to the glory of God. You can fix a pipe or plumb a whole house to the glory of God. You can fix hair to the glory of God. You can do book work for the glory of God. Whatever God has enabled you to do for a living, do it heartily and do it as if you, God was your boss, because He is. And do it in order to glorify Him. Quit looking at your boss and saying He's not worth it. Look at Jesus and say, Lord, I'm doing this for You. It'll change your outlook and change your life. And Besides, your real pay comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the company. It comes from the Lord. The Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. But remember that wrong behavior brings just punishment. If you do what's wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done. Work heartily. Work is for the Lord. I've already said Christian employees should be exemplary employees. Being otherwise, and hear this, being otherwise shames the name of Jesus. Bosses, we're talking about work relationships, pay your employees fairly. 
Masters, be just and fair to your employees. Remember, you also have a master in heaven. How do you want him to repay you? You reap what you sow. Now, by the way, neither is it politically correct, but I do not believe that socialism is biblical. That everybody should receive the same income. When I go to Dr. J, I want somebody who has got the highest degree in his specialty. I want someone who can talk with me. I, I respect my plumber friend, but Joe, I'm not coming to you to examine my heart. There may be some crossover between the plumbing and the, and the heart. But I, you're, you're not going to be treating my heart issue. I'm, go, I'm going to Jay for that. Uh, now, Jay, it may not be fair, but the plumber may make more money than you do because he is in such great demand. <laughs> what was it, Gail, that you said? Uh, that, that's what the plumber, when the dentist complained to the plumber that he made more money, he said, I did too back when when I was a dentist. <laughs> you work and are paid a fair wage according to your qualifications, your integrity, and how you work. To say that everybody deserves the same wage is destructive to this society. Don't fall for it. They're lying to you. It doesn't work. I saw the effects of socialism in Africa. It was empty shelves and hungry people. Socialism does not work. Fair wage means a fair day's pay for a fair day's work according to how hard you work, your qualifications, and what you do. I've got to move along. That relationship also talks about ministry relationships. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. You know, I read in one of Tom Rainer's books, he did, a, he did research, Todd, on effective evangelistic churches. The number one issue in effective evangelistic churches is what goes on in the pulpit. The number two thing was a prayer ministry in the church. Uh, praise God for those who pray. And I know, I don't know if it still goes on or not. At one time, the deacons had somebody praying during the time that the preaching was going on. Well, praise God. That needs to happen again. He says, be watchful and, and alert. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. Now, I've I said watchful and alert because there's two different translations and that's the way they translate it. One said watchful, the other said alert. I think that means, Kim, when you're praying, don't give up. Keep watching for the answer. Keep watching for what God's going to do. The, the alert, that may also mean, I don't think it's an either or, it may also mean, Pam, that you are alert to see where you need to pray. I love it when the guys who pray for me send me a text message or call and say, Brother Lynn, how can we pray for you? It's my day to pray. I got 31 of those. 
So there's somebody praying every day. And they call me and say, how can I pray for you today? You have no idea what that means. Be grateful. That is, thankful with your prayers. Praise God. Be grateful for what He's done. And thank Him ahead of time for what He's going to do. And pray for the preacher and his message. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. You saw Todd step over to me again and pray for me before I got in the pulpit. Do you pray for your pastor? Do you pray for your staff? Do you pray for me? Do you pray for Todd? Pray. Pray for the preacher, but pray for the message that the message will be effective. I've already quoted Tom Rayner, but from that, I, I just couldn't resist throwing it in. Just in case you want to get rid of your pastor, I can tell you how. Pray for him, and he'll become so effective some other bigger, power, more powerful church will call him and take him away from you. Just pray. Pray for him to be effective. Crown Christ, Lord, of your relationship and your community relationships. Um, I'm sharing a lot of information in a short bit of time. Let me just say, if people do not see Christ in you, and you call yourself a Christian, something's missing and something's wrong. And you need to get right with God. You need to get right with Christ. You need to turn Him loose in your life, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your community. Be wise in your dealing with the lost. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And I like, Don, I like to put a yet right there. Those who are not yet believers, because I want them to be. Be wise in your dealing, not harsh, not judgmental, loving, kind, gracious. There is in all this, Bregan, grace. Grace in the home, grace in the workplace, grace at church, and grace in the community. We've been graced. We need to grace others. Use every opportunity to share your faith. Make the most of every opportunity. Amen. Andrew, you'll see people at that job that I'll never see. You have the opportunity of sharing Jesus with them. Stephanie, you see people, you'll wait on people that I will never speak to. And how you treat them, if they see Christ in you, you can be attractional to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, I could call every name here. The same is true for you. How do you share your faith? Bite your tongue and salt your words. Now the verse actually says, let your conversation be gracious. That's what I said, right? Grace. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Control your tongue. Salt your words. What does that mean? Let them have the right flavor. Don't be harsh. Don't be ugly. Don't be biting. Don't be sarcastic. 
bite your tongue. Um, Brenda keeps saying, if you have nothing good to say, say nothing at all. Now, occasionally, she says to me, Bailey, she says, well, nothing at all. If you can't say anything nice, say nothing at all. Nothing at all. Bite your tongue and salt your words. Listen, the tongue can be a powerful tool or it can be a terrible weapon. Destructive, hurtful. How will you use yours? As a tool or as a weapon? I've spoken the past few weeks, the past few Sundays, about the transformative power of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that needs to rule your life. He is the one that you need to honor. And David, He will transform our lives if we'll just allow Him to do that. Crown Him Lord of your life.